Mike's on, Francesca on the fan on a Thursday. Shut up and sit down. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host. John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this sports show. Well, Mike Francesa is hanging it up at WFAN after 30 years. We'll pay homage to the sports pope on episode 95 of The Bridge. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of The Bridge, bringing you the best and brightest of the sports world. You can find the newest episodes of The Bridge on Thursday nights, both on iTunes under The Bridge Sports Podcast or on my website at londonbridge.com. I'll save all the ways you can listen to The Bridge and where you can find the show until the end of this latest installment. If anything, you can call in or text into the show 24-7 at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Contact the show with your questions, comments, stories, or hot takes, and you'll be featured in the next installment of The Bridge. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. Give me the siren. The fourth annual Francesicon was held at Irving Plaza in New York City on March 3rd as hundreds of members of Mongo Nation gathered to honor the sports pope. I was there, I was in the building, and was also selected to participate in a competition called Zon for Good. The contest was hosted by Mike Benevento, the king of Christopher Mad Dog Russo impressions, and was to have contestants give their best rants or sports takes in front of a panel of judges that would crown the winner. Though the contest ended up being pushed back all the way to the end of the event, so it was held in front of about nine stragglers in the crowd, I ended up winning the contest. The winning monologue was penned an ode to Mike Francesa, which you'll hear now, as well as some audio of my introduction to the event with Mr. Benevento as MC. It's time for the number one news anchor parody segment in sports radio. Here's this week's edition of Sports News Red Like Real News. 
John. John, Josh, John, what's the difference? John from where? Scranton, Pennsylvania. John from Scranton. All the way from Scranton, Pennsylvania, folks. Put your hands together from John from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Chris, real quick, Timmy's a senior this year. How do you feel about that? I was, okay. I was so rough. I'll tell you, I forgot that my son it was his last game because going up in the fourth quarter, they were up by 21, okay? Four minutes to go, they were up by five. Well, you know what happened? They took Timmy out. It was the right quarter. They took right my ball. son out. Look him up. He was a six foot two senior. Right the ball. season was supposed to play the whole game. They took my son out. It was the right quarter. Because if this team would have lost that game, they would have never recovered. Listen, guys, Last Back in the days of sports talk radio, a dog teamed up with the sports pope, and the sports world would never be the same. There was no way of knowing the impact that Michael Patrick Francesa Jr. would have on the lives of listeners from around the country back when Mike spent his days growing up five damn feet from the Atlantic Ocean. But that young boy grew up to fall in love with sports. Though his fact-checking days are far, far behind him, Mike was once a statistic-wielding savant for CBS Sports and eventually made his way to a studio analyst, without the need of a labelless soft drink to remain sharp. His success from making bold predictions that often failed to come to fruition brought Mike to the radio airwaves and a relaunch station, WFAN. There, Mike wet his feet with weekend shows and a four-hour program from 10 to 2 before taking the leap to drive time and teaming up with Christopher Michael Russo. Mike and the Mad Dog was officially born. Though initially feared to be a huge mistake, the duo quickly developed a chemistry that mimicked that of Lennon and McCarthy. For just short of 19 years, Mike and the Mad Dog talked sports as hard as they could. Nothing could get by him, turn it on and try him. Mike and the Mad Dog, New Yorkers and New Jerseyans alike grew up with Mike and the dog. They became more like family than actual family members. Unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. Chris went solo, but his chair stayed empty, ending Mike and the Mad Dog in 2008. And while we're on that, can we get one more reunion before the end of 2017? What time? Not 20, one lousy goddamn time! Gee whiz! Every single beep that GD! Every single time! Though Chris left Mike, would you be worried? Mike indeed was on, and afforded us with even more knowledge that we never knew we needed. After all, Mike knows every star athlete to have ever played in the last 30 years and has been to every important sporting event in the last 30 years as well. You know, I've been at every event, uh, barring the Indianapolis, except for the Indianapolis 500, I've been to every sporting event in the country. Despite his sports knowledge, he never did decide to become a head coach. We learned that the Mink Man and the Mons deserve a six-figure payday for putting up with Mike. That Andy Pettit is a starting pitcher. 
Wait, well, wait a second. Andy Pettit is a starting pitcher. Andy Pettit's a starting pitcher who's won almost 200 games. Then it would take a Jets receiver three years just to gain 157 yards. You know how long it takes a Jet receiver to get 157 yards? Three years! That an old report is much different than a new report. Was that a new report or an old report? That it's fine to take a quick doze during an interview. Okay. That it's fine to have dead air. Okay. That it's perfectly acceptable for a first-time caller, long-time listener, to wait on hold for an hour and a half just to get told to get lost. That Michael K. well, you know. In a radio world where Diet Coke flows freely like the rivers of Babylon, and work vacations last just about the entire month of August, there will never be another number one. Number one! Number one! Number one! No one will ever have the same ratings, longevity, resume, and paychecks. Resumes, longevity, ratings, paychecks. However... Mike will remain a part of our lives. Mongo Nation will live on and continue to grow. The Witchin' Hour will continue to provide us with twists and turns and changes during every football season. And if another radio host was sitting in my backyard and tried to take the place of Mike, I'd draw the blinds. The bottom line is... Well, wait a sec. Put my mic on! I know I could care less. Today, we're all here to honor the Pope. He'll still get us the sports news any way that he can. Back after this. Let's take a quick break to grab a Diet Coke. When we come back, we'll dive into our Mike Francesa goodbye show. We'll be right back on the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. As you heard earlier in the show, you can call in or text into the bridge anytime at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Leave a voicemail or text your questions, comments, stories, or hot takes, and you'll be featured in the next installment of The Bridge. Now we do like to pose a question each show to help give you the urge to call in or text into The Bridge. This week, we want to know... What will you miss most about Mike Francesa on the fan, and why? Well, the time has finally arrived. Mike Francesa is retiring from WFAN after 30 years behind the microphone, and will sign off for his last show on Friday, December 15th. So, to honor him, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum... I decided to produce a Mike Francesa goodbye show spectacular, complete with a baker's dozen worth of interviews from those who have worked with or around him and from those who have listened to him for decades. Several of the guests you'll hear have appeared on this show in the past, others I've been able to meet in person, and others still will be making their debut on this show, but all have some sort of ties to the bridge and, of course, to Mike Francesa. With their stories as a guide, we'll tell the tale of 30 years of Mike Francesa, 
from the Mike and the Mad Dog days to Mike's on to familiar on-air moments and everything in between. You won't hear much from me, only as a narrator to this story, and this is my longest show to date, so a small apology for the length, but you can easily jump around through each interview and sort of think of it as a movie. The Bridge presents the Mike Francesa Goodbye Tour Spectacular. And when it comes to Mike Francesa, people have been listening for 25 years, okay? I was always a guy that loved watching games, listening to games. Uh, I played sports my entire life, and I found FAM probably when I was, I don't know, around 10, 11 years old, where I'd fall asleep, I'd put the radio on, I'd get in the car, I'd put the station on. And yeah, Mike and Chris, they were the gold standard as far as doing this. Uh, I don't think anybody's done it better. They had the best chemistry. They they always knew how to hit that hard-hitting topic. So, yeah, having those guys, like, it's the soundtrack of your sports life in, like, the late 1990s and into the early 2000s, it made me, you know, really consider why I wanted to find my way to Syracuse and get involved in the business because what those guys had is the best sports radio show ever, and now we're trying to work on that ourselves, yeah. I guess it would be when I moved to New Jersey in late 2000. So I would say certainly by at some point in 2001, I was listening to Mike and the Mad Dog and it became a habit like it like it did for so, so many of us. Yeah, Mike and the Mad Dog was a uh, big part of my growing up, just like anybody in sports talk radio that was from the New York tri-state area. I mean, obviously, Mike and the Mad Dog had an impact. They had to. They were the first to do it. They were the best. And they will go down as the best to ever do it. And I remember um, I was a big Stern fan, and I was, I was really into that. And, and I thought sports talk was, was something that was just so bland. But then once you started listening to Mike and the Mad Dog, when that came around, it was just incredible to witness and, and to listen to each and every day. I can't even really pinpoint it. It's one of those things that I feel like has just always kind of been a part of my life. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, as long as I can remember, I guess it's, you know, I don't think I really took note of it until later in life, but it's something that was always in the car. And then uh, I think I really started to, to when, when the yes network simulcast was going on is when I started to really like take note of it personally, but, but growing up, it's something that was on in the car you know, basically forever. I remember when we were, uh, when we were young kids, uh, I was in the back seat of the car with my buddy and his dad was driving and, and Mike and the dog were on. And my, my buddy was like, dad, like, do we have to listen to this? Like, why can't we put on music? Cause we were young. We didn't know what was going on. And so he goes, do we have to listen to this? And his father was like, yes, we do. <laughs> this is important. Like you'll understand one day. And, uh, you know, flash forward to now. And I certainly understand it. Actually, you know, it goes back to the very beginning because I was listening uh, to WFN from its outset and before they were even together. So I had spoken to them as hosts before uh, Mark Mason brought them together. As far back as they go, uh, I go with them because I began calling them from the very outset when uh, when they decided to put them together. And as I'm sure you know from what they've said, it was some rocky roads in the beginning. Obviously, they rebounded pretty well, considering the fact that they're the gold standard for sports talk radio in this country. And 
you know, probably primarily responsible for the massive growth that it's had, growth that it's had over these last 30 years. Well, you know, I've been listening to, the, to Mike and the Dog. I think when the Yankees really started getting big in the 90s, that's when it was, and everybody was listening, and they would do shows after the playoff games, which was great. And Dog would get on there, or Mike would get on there, and they would do those shows, and the whole pink Cadillac days. And I mean, ever since then, it's been, you know, I was a teenager then. And then moving on through the years, you know, moving to a desk job and then having streaming at your desk, and it's always been a staple. And when Mike and Dog broke up, it was like, uh, uncertainty. What was going to happen next? How was it going to work? And uh, I have to say, Mike's done a great job now for nearly 10 years. So um, it's been a staple. It's one of those things where you plan your lunch breaks around it so you can be there at your desk at one o'clock and you got to always hear what Mike has to say the next day. We see that all the time. You see that on a Sunday, you think to yourself, oh, what is Mike going to say at one o'clock on, on Monday? How's he going to kill the Jets? How's he going to kill the Giants more, more recently? I first started listening to Francesa in, it was either 92 or 93. Uh, I know it was during uh, when the Knicks were starting to really be good again. Uh, I can't remember if it was the 91, 92 season or the 92, 93. I I was big into the Knicks and, uh, you know, I'd heard about Mike and the Mad Dog, but never really listened to them too much. Uh, But I wanted to get their take on, you know, the Knicks and uh, their prospects for, you know, contention that year. So that was the first time I listened, but I didn't really get into him until I was actually driving home. I got a ride from a buddy of mine coming back from college, uh, I think for Thanksgiving in 94. And on the ride back, we had it on the radio, Mike and the Mad Dog. And uh, that was when I got hooked. If you don't like the way I pronounce my R's and L's, then don't worry about it. You know, I'll tell you what. After I'm out of here, the next guy can pronounce Caldwell, Caldwell, Caldwell. If my R and L, if you don't like the way I roll them, you know what? You know, tough. And that's what I'm going to tell you. Tough. I don't care. Hey, guys. This is Damon Amendolara, DA, CBS Sports Radio, and you are locked into The Bridge with John Lund. Keep it locked. Those that don't live in the tri-state area were introduced to Mike Francesa and Chris Russo in the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 for 30 that premiered on ESPN earlier this year. One of the interesting things from that film was the visuals of Mike and the Dog in studio in the late 90s. Incredibly rare footage, since no one saw the duo in action aside from live shows, until the show was simulcast on TV in the 2000s. Enter Damon Amendolara, friend of the show and host of the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Damon and three of his Warwick High School classmates were able to interview Mike and the Dog and sit in on their show for a project aired locally on Metro Sports North. His in-studio footage was then used in the film, and he was kind enough to allow me to air some of that here of Mike Francesa in 1997. Mr. Francesa, how young were you, Mike Damon? Well, thank you very much, Mike. How young were you when you realized you wanted to be on the radio? Um, it wasn't so much the radio as uh, I was a ball player when I was young. I always thought I'd be a ball player. When I got old enough to realize I wasn't going to be a ball player, then I wanted to stay in sports somehow. And I kind of migrated towards communication and didn't know what part of the business I'd wind up in. I started as a, as a writer and an editor and then went to TV and then to radio. So it was a little roundabout way to radio. It wasn't that I always grew up wanting to be Marv Albert. That wasn't the case. What are the major differences between working on television and radio? Enormous differences. Uh, Radio, you can be long form. You can discuss things. You can pace it. You have to, what you can take 10 minutes to discuss on the radio, 
you have to be able to say in 30 seconds on TV. In TV, you talk in headlines. You cannot talk long form in TV. It doesn't work that way. It's a visual medium. So what you have to say in 10 minutes on the radio, you say in 30 seconds on TV. That's the difference. Well, Mike and the Mad Dog runs from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock. In those five hours, do you find it hard sometimes to fill up all the airtime? No. You know, I think we're fortunate, and I think that's some of the beauty of a two-man show and a successful two-man show. When you try to get a mix in there, uh, the main part of the show is going to be Dog and Myself, be it on a good day or a bad day, whether we're fighting, not fighting, which we do sometimes, so we've done a lot of that. Uh, also, about 30% calls and about 30% guests. So it's probably about 40% us to 50% us, and probably about split what's left between guests and calls. Our call, our show's not all calls. I mean, a lot of shows are, but our show's a little different. It's much faster paced than other shows. It's in drive time. It has to be faster paced. And the show basically is Mike and the Mad Dog. The callers don't drive our show. We drive our show. There are other shows where the callers drive the show, and that's right, too. That's not wrong, but that's not the way Mike and the Mad Dog is really run. Well, talk radio has taken a lot of abuse over the, the uh, past couple of years. Some say it's gone beyond its boundaries. What do you have to say about that? I think it's, in a lot of ways, become a very embarrassing medium. I'm um, talking about sports talk radio. I'm not talking about satire. I'm not talking about what Imus does or Howard Stern does. I'm talking about sports talk radio. And I think we need to be more responsible in our approach. And uh, we have the most successful show in the country. Uh, that's part of being in New York. We've been fortunate. We've hit it very well, and we've done well. Uh, but I think you have to be responsible. I think you can't say things personally about people that you can't back up. So, uh, frankly, a lot of the time I'm embarrassed by what I see in sports talk radio right now. Well, to finish, is New York City the top market to work in if you're a sports radio analyst? It's the top market to work in. I don't care what you do. If you play ball, if you talk about ball, if you are an advertising guy, if you are a financial guy, whatever you do, the biggest place you can do it is New York. D.A. was also part of a brief feud with Francesa, which stemmed from a sign-off from one of his CBS Sports Minutes that Mike didn't quite care for. This is Damon Amendolara with your CBS Sports Minute, brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. I've got no use for Hulk Hogan, boys and girls, not only because of his disgusting language, not only because he wrapped himself in the American flag, but clearly didn't feel all Americans deserved a certain level of respect, but also because now he's trying to apologize for the racism he spewed. Man, you said those words on home video in the privacy of your own house to people that are close to you. Oh, but that's not what you believe. That's inconsistent with who you are. Yeah, Hulk says he used language that's offensive and inconsistent with his own beliefs. I am a real American. If that's a real American, then I shudder at being one. Not only is the Hulk a maniac and ignorant slug, he's also a really bad liar. I'm DA. You know, one of the great wastes of airspace, folks, is when someone does something that is impossible to defend and everyone in the world comes down on them, you get all these commentaries, these righteous, you know, commentaries, like the one I just had to listen to, about, oh, you know, get lost, you're this, you're that, you're this, you know, and then, you know, hey, how, what, what do you... What would you do? Come on, defend it? It doesn't take anything to come out and say, oh, oh, Hulk Hogan, oh, yeah. you get a million of them. I've heard like four of them today. First of all, why even bother talking about Hulk Hogan? He's not even worth, he's not even worth talking about. Another thing, if you're going to do these commentaries, what's with the initials? 
What's with the initials on my show with these initials? These people haven't been in the business 20 minutes. They've not done anything. And they go, oh, this is, you know, give your name. What's with the initials? No one knows who you are. I wouldn't know who you are if you walked in the studio. And you're going to tell me the initials. Jeez, I hate these commentaries. They drive me nuts. They don't belong on my show or any show. You know what? <sighs> well, the best part is that I, I grew up listening to Mike. I'm thrilled that I get to to work next to a Hall of Famer every day. His studios are right next to our studios. I see him all the time. When I can, I say hi to Mike in the, in the office or whatnot. And uh, it's so funny because what I'll always now be remembered for is if you type in my name, the first thing that comes up is Mike Francesa. <laughs> and that's because that day I was uh, I was filling in for the Doug Gottlieb show, which runs ran during the afternoons at CBS Sports Radio, and I was doing it with Bart Scott. We were co-hosting, and Bart is all over the place. He's all energy. I got to kind of rein him in, and then I've got to do these sports minutes because that was Doug's responsibility. That ran his three or four of them ran during Mike's show. So this is a day in the middle of the summer. That's why Doug is off. That's why we're on the air filling in for him. Nothing is going on. It's before training camp has started. It's after the NBA finals, after the Stanley Cup finals. The only thing going on is mid-season baseball. And then Hulk Hogan drops that kind of racist tirade on home movie. And it's everywhere. And so I'm like, well, this is kind of the news of the day. Let me give a hot take about Hulk Hogan's video. And I sign off. I say, this is Damon Amendolar with your CBS Sports Minute. I give my take and I wrap up. This is DA. This is the way I've always done it when I filled in to do those updates because my show's called the DA show. Everyone calls me DA because Amendolar is too much of a mouthful. And everyone just refers to me as my initials. And this runs. And Mike comes back after break. He already doesn't like the CBS Sports Minutes because I think it's other people's opinions, other people's you know, personas on his show and he comes back after the update after the break and he just trashes me and says, oh, yeah, well, yeah, no one would know this guy if he walked to the studios. He's using his initial a guy, uh, Hulk Hogan. Why are we even talking about Hulk Hogan, a guy? And he just trashes me. And so I'm looking on Twitter and I'm doing the show and I'm trying to like rein in Bart and I'm just trying to like do my job, whatever. And my Twitter's blowing up. Mike is killing you. Mike is crushing your CBS Sports update. Why are you talking about Hulk Hogan? I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I pieced two and two together during the show. Uh, okay, this makes sense. And uh, sure enough, uh, I, I went outside and I said uh, during a commercial break, I caught up with Mike. I was like, hey, hey, hey Mike, I, I heard you weren't a fan of the update. You know, sorry about that. Apologize for using my initials on your show. Kind of tongue in cheek, like this is, of course, what I have to do. And um, I was like, oh, it's not your fault, okay? I just don't like the CBS Sports Minister. You know, you don't need to use your initials anyway. It's not, but it's not about you. And I was like, okay. So we kind of like buried the hatchet and we were okay. And I just kind of got a kick out of it. I mean, you know, I don't take myself too seriously. So this was hysterical to me. Well, it creates World War III because people on my network think that Mike's dismissive and, and coming after me. And they were very cool to be defensive of me and come to my defense. And a lot of people in the industry kind of have taken shots at Mike. So this was a chance to like bear, pile on Mike. Mike supporters piled on me. And, you know, you're nothing compared to Mike. He's a Hall of Famer and all this. I said, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to pick a fight with Mike. I just did a CBS Sports Minute. Leave me out of this. So I just found it all hysterical. But, yes, I, I will forever be attached to that moment. And it's very ironic considering – 
like I'm in high school interviewing this guy, you know, asking him for career advice. And 20 years later, he's uh, now I'm forever remembered for him trashing me on the air. <laughs> Dan and Woolwick, what's up, Dan? Uh, hey, Mike. Uh, I just got a, uh, a question about the Giants. Uh, in your years of experience, have you ever seen, uh, you know, this, how the San Francisco Giants were once the New York Giants? Has there ever been either a franchise to franchise or maybe even player to player get together when San Francisco comes to New York? Like, do they ever say hi? Maybe, uh, I don't know, go out to dinner or something? Uh, oh, I don't know. What, you what are you talking about? Is there ever any interaction when the San Francisco Giants come to New York or vice versa? The San Francisco like, Giants come to New York and do what? Have a game. Uh, you know, play they, with ever, the, like, they play against the Mets. And what do you want to happen now? Did the, did the New York Giants ever reach out to them, either the players or the franchises? The football you know, they, Giants? Yeah, the football Giants. Well, what is the connection between the San Francisco Giants and the football Giants? Well, they used to be in New York, and they got the same name. But they have they have nothing to do with each other, though. There's no connection. Not, they have different ownership. They, there's no connection between the two teams. I mean, there's no connection in any way between the two teams. They have no relationship. Do you think because they're giants, they're like brothers or something? That might be the weirdest question I got in a long time. I mean, that might, and and I think that's an honest question. That might be the strangest question I got in a really long time. The 30 for 30 was well-received by fans of Mike and the Dog, including Jason Kaidel, friend of the show and a sports writer for WFAN and CBS Sports, who recently published a two-part question-and-answer piece with Mike Francesa, one that you can find on CBS Sports New York. Oh, it, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, I actually got to the Mike and Matt Dog uh, bandwagon a little bit later. I hadn't been listening since 89 when they came on. I was more of a television guy, but then, like I think I told you before we came on air, that I'd driven a tractor-trailer for a number of years. So that's when I started listening to Mike and Chris, which was, I'm going to say, 15 years ago, and uh, it was wonderful. It, it was wonderful, and you could see how many sports talk show hosts, radio hosts, have sort of incorporated a little bit of Mike or Chris into their radio persona. It's really a compliment to them. I spent an hour and a half in Mike Francesa's office about – a month ago interviewing him because I'm going to write a, a feature on him before he retires. I'm really excited about that. And he was very candid. He was very nice. There was no questions I couldn't ask him. Um, I, I think their mark on sports media was indelible. It was indelible. And I think uh, they should get more credit than they do. And there is no ESPN radio. There is no sports talk radio without Mike and Chris. And that's one hell of a legacy. I don't sit in a press box. No, I've no... never sat in a press box for a game in my life. You just said you go to the bathroom in a press box. I don't sit in a press yeah. box, dog. I go up there to the bathroom because I don't have to wait online. Right. Do you get a Coca-Cola in a press no. box? No. And you never do? You no. can wait online for Coca-Cola? No, I don't do it, dog. I go there just to go to the bathroom so I don't have to miss any action. I go upstairs to go there. You don't there. have to miss any action. Uh, I've never uh, used the press box in the bathroom. Oh, there's God. always a line. Oh. And I've been there for a zillion times, and I will appreciate right. a new ballpark. No. Speaking of WFAN, John Jastrzemski, friend of the show and host of JJ After Dark at The Fan, broke into radio by winning the WFAN Fantasy Phenom Contest with Mike Francesa as judge. 
The winner was awarded a show for a year on The Fan, something J.J. has parlayed into his own show and opportunities to fill in on The Fan and CBS Sports Radio. He also let us know what it's like to bump into Mike Francesa at the office. I'll tell you a good Mike story, and this is going to maybe belittle me a little bit, but it's funny, so I'm going to take a little plug of myself here. So this is maybe in March. He knows I work at Fan. Um, I'd mentioned to him a couple of different times that I work at the network, but I guess that was one ear and out the other. You know, the guy's got 10,000 things going on. He's not going to remember where I'm working at every particular moment, every particular time. Um, so I'm there doing a 6 to 10 network show in the evening. I'm filling for DA, and Mike's there, and I'm there, and I'm getting, making some tea, just getting ready for the start of the show. Mike sees me. He's like, John, what's going on? How are you? Uh, I'm like, Mike, doing fine. He goes, oh, what are you, what are you doing here? He goes, uh, is it Steve on after me today? I was like, well, yeah, he is. You're right. Uh, I'm hosting over at the network. I'm doing 6 to 10. He goes, oh, you work at the network. Good for you. I, like, he kind of didn't remember at all that I had worked at the network. And I'm like, no, Mike, I've been there for three years. He's like, oh. Like, just very, you know, like, kind of like he is on the air where he doesn't remember something. And it, like, kind of just hits him, but it was funny because I told them, you know, four or five different times that I work at the network, but it just shows you that when it comes to the bubble that is Mike Francesa, if it is not a part of it, he is not going to remember. That's just the bottom line. And I mean, and I'm talking to him for five minutes about Syracuse. This is when they were in the NCAA tournament. I was telling them they're going to beat Gonzaga. He was like, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, we're on the same page there, so going back and forth with the pump, always cool. Chappie and New Canaan, what's up, Chappie? Hello, Mike. What's I'm, happening? Uh... <laughs> what's up? Let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm here. I'm here. Let's go. I'm here. You got to go. Let's go talk. Hello? Mike? Yes, go. Go talk. Hey, how are you? Good, thank you. you. Absolutely. Hello? Mike? Yes, go. Would you start speaking? This is Kim Jones of WFAN Radio and NFL Network. You are listening to The Bridge with John Lund. Radio contests are fun, but not many can compare to those involving Mike Francesa. There's no telling what might happen live, as Kim Jones, friend of the show and NFL Network reporter, can attest to. From one of the more viral moments that have come from the career of Mike Francesa. Yeah, and I heard what you said about the pass rusher, too, but I thought your Cooper answer was outstanding. Thank you. Uh, I, Coming from you, that means a lot, <laughs> obviously. Put my mic on! <laughs> Stop turning it off, please! Gosh. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Every time I go to talk, my mic is off. That's usually in a talk back to the uh, producer. Uh, louder, louder. You, ju- you just saw real radio, folks. Exactly. Louder than that, usually, okay? <laughs> My gosh. I can't remember where we were in the city, a restaurant, and it was a fantasy phenom contest, or whatever the heck they called that thing, uh, to find a guest host or a, an overnight host, whatever. I'll be honest, whatever that was. And we were judging it, I think, and... Mike's mic wasn't on any script and I Tiki was sitting next to me. I think John Jastrzemski was at the table as well. If I, if memory serves and I just jumped because I didn't realize he was just going to scream. It was absolutely hysterical. Um, 
the video of me doing it was hysterical because I was stunned. And that's Mike, you know, he wanted his mic turned on. That was a good, that was a good one. That was one that, you know, and afterwards Mike and I kind of laughed about it. And he said like, you know, I'm making you famous. And you know, that's Mike also like that was his takeaway from, you know, stunning me and my getting some attention for my reaction was that he was kind of making it all worthwhile for me. It was very funny and vintage Mike. Kim has also been a guest with Mike many times over the years on WFAN reporting on the Yankees or New York football and knowing that a chat with Mike can sometimes lead to some heated debates. First of all, you can't be afraid. The first few times I went on with them, I'm sure, and I can't, that part I can't remember, maybe 2005, my first year with Yes, was the first time I went on with the two of them, I'm, or perhaps a Super Bowl before then, uh, when I was with the Star Ledger. I don't remember my first interview with Mike and Chris. Um, but, y- you know, you can't be afraid, and I'm sure over the years that has changed as I've gotten to know Mike a little bit better, as I've gotten more comfortable with him, and also with with. Uh, you know, my career responsibilities, whatever they are at the moment. So um, I think you, you got to um, listen. You, you, you got to obviously, it's his show. So, you, you know, you're going to answer his questions. You're going to do it his way on his terms to a large degree. But um, in my case, you know, I'm, I'm also not afraid to disagree with Mike because I think that's life. And I think that's sports talk radio, even if you are talking to Mike Francesa. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You think, he, come on now, wait a second. Wait a second, get lost, get lost. I can't take any more of this babble. Hey, this is Mike Babchuk from Morning Men on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 82, and you're listening to the sexy beast, John Lund on the bridge. That's right, the bridge. That's where I met my wife, under a bridge. Talking to Mike Francesa is one thing, but working for Mike is another. Mike Babchek, friend of the show and co-host of The Morning Men on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, somehow worked his way into an internship at WFAN during his six or seven years in college. In typical Babchik fashion, his experience there was certainly a unique one. You know, it was great. I was up in Albany um, going to college. And which I, I did about six years of it. And I would go in my car at one o'clock and I would drive quite a distance to get the perfect signal because on campus, it was in and out. You know, remember back in the day, it was the AM only. It was before the FM. So I had to drive down the road a while. There was a great soup place. Sometimes I would go to, I get like a bread bowl with clam chowder, and I'd be sitting there in the car, 1 p.m., and away we went. Ah, and then there it is, Mike and the Mad Dog. You know, towards the end of my um, college career, I realized I needed to do something with my life, and I actually I got through college, and um, I applied to be an intern at the fan. And I think they were like, hey, you need college credit. And I don't know if I've ever even told this story before, but I said, yeah, no problem, no problem. And I was still on campus. I was living there. I was like the Van Wilder guy. I was like my sixth year of college, right? I went back to the campus people, and they all knew me there. But, I mean, really, I was done. I completed my school. And I'm talking to everybody, and there was a couple forms on a, on a desk, and I grabbed a couple forms. There's internship forms, and I actually filled it out myself and fudged it and sent it to the fan. And the fan thought I was still in school. I got an internship. And then I was Mike Francesa's intern. How about that? 
I mean, there was a couple of things that you know truly stood out. Number one, I really didn't like my. Um, there was three different shifts. There was three different times in the day that you were you were the intern. So it's like Tuesday, and then you did the afternoon shift, and then you get Mike and Doc. But you also have to do a night shift, and you also have to do something on the weekend. And you know, a lot of times that was early, so they would they would move you around. But that was smart because then an intern would actually deal with all the different types of shows. So obviously, like the Tuesday and the Wednesday, I think I had Mike and Dog. That that was it. Those are the two big days. Because, you know, you're in the air, you're part of that show, and you're in the newsroom, you know, during the live broadcast. The Saturday morning shift with Richard Neer, that was tough. I, I skipped that a lot. And, uh, you know, that's why I wasn't a very good intern. But when I was interning with Mike and Doug, I remember two big things. One day, Russo came in with all his kids. I think it was, he was, it was three, maybe it was even the fourth one. He brought them all. And, you know, he's talking to Mike, and Mike's like, what are you, you bring out the kitchen? And I was like, it's okay, you know, we got to keep him in the newsroom there. And Francesca turned to me and said, he'll watch him. I said, what? Yeah, you'll watch him. So I was like, you got to watch him. This is big for you. What's your name? Uh, it's Mike. All right, you're going to watch the kids. Mike said, yeah, he'll watch him. He'll watch the kids. Okay. Like, All right. Well, then I guess I'm going to watch the kids. And that day, that's uh, sure enough, for about three hours while they're doing their show, I was – uh entertaining um, little Timmy Russo and Colin and everybody else. It was crazy. It was like a little daycare. That was fun. The other big thing was I used to get lunch. I used to get lunch for them. And there was one day where Mike's like, Mike, kid. He, my friend says, I would call me kid. He never knew my name. Russo learned my name, called me Mike. Francesa, kid. It was the kid. Hey, kid, go pick up my lunch. I went to the store. You know, they had his order ready. I pick it up. It's like a giant platter. It's like a salad platter. I mean, this chef salad that's gigantic. So I'm like, oh, man, this is huge. Obviously, he, this guy's so nice. He bought lunch for everybody else. I bring it back. Now it's just for him. This giant platter. I mean, it was crazy. He had his Diet Coke. But still, even I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, you know, he's eating the salad. That's good. He's eating the salad, and he's got low-fat dressing. That's pretty good. And then he came back out after his meal, and he's like, hey, good. Like, yeah, yeah. What do you need, Mike? Uh, go to the vending machine and give me a C6. What? C6. C6. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. I'll go get it. I go back to the vending machine. C6. C6 was a Texas-sized cinnamon bun. It's the biggest cinnamon bun I've ever seen in my life. So if he was eating healthy, yeah, he ate the salad, but a giant one, low-fat dressing, Diet Coke. But then, you know, you got to get the sweets. I mean, here's Mike Francesa. So you got a Texas-sized cinnamon bun. I'm telling you, those are the big, the two big takeaways from my internship. I mean, obviously they're bigger things, but that's just not the way my brain works. But what an honor though, to just be a part of something like that. Cause that show, I mean, really it'll go down as the greatest sports talk show in history and no show will ever top that ever. And I'm on one, but it'll never come close to Mike and the dog. Peter already called for him to be, you know. Who did? Peter King? No, Peter. The group that is the oh, uh, people oh, against oh, the ethic. There are many tales of those who are now working in sports media because of the impact Mike Francesa had on the industry, either as a duo or solo act. One example of that is Evan Cohen, friend of the show and the other co-host of The Morning Men on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio. Evan heard Mike and the Mad Dog as a youth, knew he wanted to do sports radio because of them, and now gets to work with Chris on Mad Dog Sports Radio. I started listening to Mike and the Mad Dog probably in 1989. Um, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I remember as a kid 
turning them on and realizing this is all I ever wanted to do. Like there was nothing else at that point I wanted to do because listening to them do this was so appealing and so attractive on so many levels. They would argue, they would love each other, they would hate each other. And so I, I just knew at literally nine years old that this is what I wanted to do for my career. And I was a super fan, basically. I mean, I, I've shown up to their remotes. I would listen every single day. I would build my schedule around listening to them. I remember in college, I had to make sure that, you know, because there was no streaming at the time. I remember I made sure that I lived in an apartment complex that could that could get the Yes Network or after okay. college, I, I, I guess, um, so I could watch them on TV. I mean, I was all over it. And... The final um, Mike and the Mad Dog show was August 15th, 2008, maybe. Um, and I remember I got I got lucky because I had a trip that was planned. My f- I didn't know it was the final show, obviously, because nobody, nobody you know, knew except for Dog. Um, and I'm sure Mike. But um, so I had a trip that was planned. My flight got delayed. So I was able to hear like the beginning of the show because of the fact that the flight got delayed and I was able to listen to it. And I had written a blog on our radio station's website then at the time ESPN760.com about what um, that show meant to me. And I don't know exactly how specifically it got to, to him. But it was, I mean, it was crazy. It was like a stalker kind of letter almost that they were la- like people were laughing at, but about how my sister, who's three years younger than me, could sing the Mike and the Mad Dog theme song, about how like people in my family knew all about that, and just how, you know, I, I compared it to the song, Have You Seen My Childhood, Michael Jackson's song, which is all about like where did his childhood go? And I, at that moment, I felt like my childhood was over because this is kind of what like professionally helped me grow up is listening to them. And so I think one of my bosses, um, sent it to someone he knew at WFAN, and somehow they just like pr- I'm sure they just like printed a bunch of things that people were saying and gave it to Mike, and Mike read a part of it. I've never actually se- I don't think I've seen the clip where he read it or heard the clip where he read it, but everybody's told me it was read. I don't my name wasn't mentioned, but yeah. So the final ever show they um they read my stuff. Was that la- was that a highlight of last year's report or is that a new report? That's last year's report. So that's not a new report on Wheeler. Okay, so folks, that is not a new report on Wheeler, okay? So I just walked into the room and saw him reporting that, and I wanted to make sure if it was a new report or an old report. That is last year's report, because I'm watching him say, Wheeler went to the hospital yesterday, which we know he did, and the news isn't good, and that's last year's report, not this year's report, okay? So. What's up, you much? It's KFC from Barstool Sports, and you're listening to The Bridge. Though Chris Russo left WFAN for his own channel, it's serious. Fans of Mike and the Mad Dog and fans of Mike in general stayed for his solo show on WFAN, forming what's known as Mongo Nation, a group of avid Mike Francesa fans who listen religiously, call religiously, or chat religiously to and of the sports boat. The somewhat underground world of Mongo Nation thrived on message boards, and as social media grew, so too did the voice of the Mongos on Twitter. Though Mike refuses to join Twitter, he did become aware of the accounts, taking his likeness or highlighting moments from the show, and eventually the wall between Mike Francesa and the internet was slowly chipped away. When the hole was big enough... Barstool Sports jumped through it, specifically Barstool New York, headed by Kevin Clancy. When KFC created a t-shirt of a cartoon Francesa head and number one written underneath it three or so years ago, it took off. So much so that Mike got word of it and then wanted a couple shirts for his kids. 
Now, you've probably, and you know I don't get involved in this stuff much, but the guy was a nice guy about it, and I actually, my kids wanted, they liked the shirt, so um, you've probably read that there's this thing on the day before the Super Bowl in New York. It's been in the newspapers. There's been a lot of play on it in different places, especially on the Internet, but even in the regular newspapers, about this Francesa Khan thing they're going to have the day before the Super Bowl in New York City where these people are going to, you know, dress up like me and all this stuff. That's what it is. Like they had this Santa Con. So now I didn't even, wasn't even aware of this for a while. But I have a little, you know, more than a little cult following on the, on the in social media, to say the least. Okay? I am, you know... For right and wrong and good and bad, I have uh, some crazies out there that like to follow me. I mean, to, and have set up websites and uh, all different things, uh, Twitter accounts, as we know, right? Well, a couple of people noticed this shirt, and they, uh, even in our family, came to me and said, can we get those shirts? And I said, what shirt? Well, all of a sudden, I saw the shirt in the newspaper, and my kids wanted the shirt. And I'm like, Dad, can we get us those shirts? And I'm like, what shirt? Then, I, then my wife said to me, are you wearing this shirt? And I said, there's this one shirt where you all like it. And I said, you know, and one of her sisters said, can we get those shirts? And I'm like, what shirt? So I had my, I said, Mons, you wear this shirt? That's all I said to him. He goes, of course I'm aware of this shirt. I'm like, well, what shirt? How do you know about it? How do you know about it? He goes, oh, I've known about it for a while. I said, well, why don't you tell me? So I wasn't even aware about it for a while. But then this shirt, this blue shirt started popping up. So the guys turned out to be a really nice guy, and you know, there's a lot of people you don't want to trust. But this guy turned out to be—I mean, he didn't even want to take the money for the shirts, but I, I had to get them, you know, especially made for my kids and stuff. So I wanted to pay him. But they have this shirt out, which he didn't really start because it is, I, he just has—he's BarstoolSports.com. Is that right, BarstoolSports.com? And they created this shirt that's for next. Really, it's one he created and he sold out. It's this picture of me with this uh, number one thing, uh, this blue shirt. Well, this shirt's become kind of a craze, this this shirt. So these are for my kids, but I mean, he sold them out, and I've had so many requests for this shirt, so I, I had him bring me some, which I just got, and he turned out to be a really nice guy, young guy, which I was surprised there was going to be some old guy who made shirts. It turned out to be a young guy, pretty bright young guy, BossStoolSports.com, and they created this shirt, which is for next week, and really, he didn't do it for that reason, but he says he's sold a lot of them, so... This is the shirt, which has become kind of a craze, as a matter of fact. So I want to thank him for bringing them over. And he made them the right size for my kids, which is what the key was, because my kids were asking me for a couple of weeks to get them. He went and actually had them. That's it. You guys, everyone knew about the shirt before I did, which is amazing. I mean, I wasn't even – I keep hearing, hey, did you see the shirt? I'm like – and my wife says to me, I really like the shirt. I'm like, what shirt? And I get finally, you know, the other day it was in the newspaper. And I said, oh, that's the shirt. So – I said to Mons, I said, Mons, do you know about the shirt? Of course I know about the shirt. Everyone knows about the shirt. I'm like, well, how come I don't know about the shirt? So, BarstoolSports.com, which I'm not, I'm not uh, familiar with, but seems like a nice guy, and uh, brought in a bunch of shirts, which we had made and, you know, for my kids and stuff, so we thank him for that. So, uh, go to BarstoolSports.com if you, I don't know why you would want one, but if you do, God bless you. It's surreal to have it all actually come to fruition and be like tangible. It's very humbling to go from a fan to even having, you know, one iota of a connection with him is, is very cool. It, it, I, I was lucky in, in the sense there was a lot of guys who came before me who were, uh, you know, paying homage to Mike with with parody accounts and jokes and 
you know, putting out his content and websites and whatnot, soundboards, all that cool shit. Uh, so they were, you know, those guys were at the forefront of it all. And I was, uh, I was lucky enough to kind of be adopted by Mongo Nation. I don't, I don't necessarily consider myself uh, a true member of Mongo Nation. I think those guys take it to a whole next level. But the fact that, uh, you know, they were, those guys are down with Mike, they're down with Barstool. And there's kind of a, a connection there was, was very cool. Monzo, his producer, was a huge driving force in it because he, he, he became cool with Barstool. And uh, he was the connection. He was, he's on Twitter. He's on social media. So he was kind of the liaison because, like you said, Mike doesn't do the Twitter. Why would I give it away for free? You got to come listen to me at one o'clock every day. I'm not going to give it away for free. You kidding me? Uh, so those, you know, Mongo Nation and Monzo were, played a huge hand in it. And then it's a funny story about those T-shirts. So uh, we had a, a T-shirt guy out. And he, our third party operates out in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I, uh, I said to him, we got to make a T-shirt for Mike Francesa. And he was like, who is that? I almost wanted to punch him in the face. Like, what do you mean? Who's that? He's a sports pope. He's number one. So I explained to him who Mike is. And he's like, so let me get this right. You want to, you want to sell a t-shirt for a 60 year old sportscaster? And I was like, yes, just fucking do it. Just listen to me and do it. We make the shirt and they go absolutely bananas. They go viral. People are buying them for the bar a appearances. They're buying them for Francesa Khan, uh, Mongo nation, adopts them loves them they're going they're selling like wildfire and mike and like you said mike take takes notice of them and he wants a whole batch of them for his family that's when i get the message from monzo can you bring a whole box different sizes for uh mike and his fam so at that point he's still being simulcast on fox fox sports one at this point and uh he it was kind enough to hold the shirt up and explain barstool sports is that it barstool sports uh and then they go super viral and and sales go like through the roof and i'll never forget that 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 guy out in cincinnati our t-shirt guy being like well i don't know like how this happened but you were right like this is one of our all-time best sellers i was wrong you were right and i was like that's the power of mongo nations don't ever doubt mike francesa and the fact that i got to be the guy kind of uh you know making you know the, the in, in between the go-between of mike francesa and the internet to bring you know mongo nation a little bit of spotlight get the t-shirts out there and, you know, introduce, I guess what I would say is the, the real uh, best part about it for me is I introduced Francesa to a lot of people outside the New York market. A lot of the stoolies who had never heard of him beforehand uh, and weren't able to listen to him on a daily basis would still, they still know his all time moments. You know, you can ask some of these guys from Boston or Chicago, uh, you know, and they'll know about Mike Francesa's snowblower or uh, any of his various meltdowns. So I think the, not only introducing him to the internet, but, uh, or I should say introducing Mike to the internet, but introducing stoolies from other markets into uh, number one has been probably the best part of, of the connection. KFC met up with Mike one more time in his second to last week with yet another shirt, now with a more recent likeness of Mike Francesa with GOAT written underneath. Quite a ride for an internet blogger, and oh yeah. Buy a shirt. I was down there dropping off the latest T-shirts. There, uh, it's the goat shirt with Mike. You can get them at barstoolsports.com if you want to. If you want to buy a shirt, uh, I was dropping them off, and and um, I got to talk in between basically all the breaks during his show with him, and yeah, that's where I made my final touch. I said, Mike, listen, I know you were joking on air the other day about Barstool, and you said how uh, that time has passed you by to work with a 
a quote unquote traveling troop such as us. But I was like, the door is open, my man. You know, there's here's a free invite. We got the Sirius channel. We got a podcast network. You want to blog. You want to do whatever you want, whatever hours you want. Uh, you know, you, you you come here and you basically could run the show. And he, he kind of laughed it off and just said, I'll, I'll call you if I ever need you, kid. Something tells me he's he's not taking Barstool seriously, but goddamn, we would certainly love to have it. I mean, this franchise, if I took the Rex Ryan press conference yesterday where he told you Geno Smith's still going to be a really good player, and I took this guy who just told you the owner's great, the president's great, the coaches are great, the players are great, you fans are great, everything's great, but we're one and seven. And we've been outscored, you know, 230 to 140. And we have one interception on the season. And yesterday, Orton threw for, completed 10 passes for 9,000 yards. Sammy Watkins, it was so easy, he forgot he was playing. He thought he was in a scrimmage. He started backpedaling. He said, I'm going to get in trouble. I forgot. This was such a joke. He said, the first time I ran a play, I was 25 yards behind a guy. He only caught three passes yesterday for 157 yards. You know how long it takes a jet receiver to get 157 yards? Three years. Hey, everybody, this is Al from White Plains, and you're listening to The Bridge. Of the thousands and thousands of Mike Francesa listeners, only 1% or 2% of them are callers, and even a smaller percentage still are regular callers. But those that are and are able to get into an inner circle of sorts for the show become known not by their actual name, but by their call-in name, or first name and where they're calling from. Al from White Plains has been listening to Mike Francesa since his first days on air at WFAN and has followed him up to now. Even though Al favors teams not from New York, his sports knowledge is next to none and his ability to debate sports, which is good since he practices law in real life, makes for a fantastic phone call with Mike. I had already spoken to Chris when he came over uh, individually, and had spoken to Mike in his various capacities of either doing shows by himself or, you know, which I'm, I'm sure you're aware, he was a co-host with Eddie Coleman, made a really good show uh, you know, on a daily basis in Moran on the weekends uh, doing a football show. So pretty early on, they got to have a, a little bit of a handle that I was kind of outside of the normal New York caller. Because you know, back then, you remember, it wasn't nationwide. It was 10,000 watts originally, and then 50,000 watts when they moved down to the 66 frequency. Uh, but when it came to my teams to discuss, I was not one with any local flavor. You know, Being from upstate New York, I had no allegiance to any of the New York teams. So uh, St. Louis Cardinal fan, Laker fan, uh, old Cleveland Brown fan, Syracuse alum. So most of those interests were outside of, obviously, Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, uh, et cetera, you know, Knicks, Nets. So, and they were also the heyday of some of those teams, obviously the Lakers uh, in, in the late Magic years. 
the Bernie Kosar years and the suffrage of the Browns uh, year after year after year. And uh, obviously Syracuse's uh, annual rights of passage in the NCAA tournament, which always came up short, that mixed in with whatever was you know, on tap in the New York area. So they always knew that my calls might bring something a little different, uh, especially if my teams were in the mix. You had the two-man team. But what there was of sports radio leading up to them uh, was pretty much solo acts. Um, you know, Art West Jr., uh, Howard Cosell on Speaking Sports, Bob Costas on Costas Coast to Coast, all of whom made that guess. But they were a real team, and they were a team that were, you know, uniquely different. I mean, uh, Chris was, you know, the, the Norm Crosby, you're probably too young to have any idea who Norm Crosby is, but with his malapropisms, you know, the, the Norm Crosby of sports, uh, and, and Mike with the thick New York accent, uh, both of whom were very knowledgeable in different ways, with... You know, people think they just threw them together and there was no experience. I mean, you know, Chris came up through the minors, you know, in, in Florida uh, and then up here in New York. And Mike was the guy who fed information to Arapasijian and Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. And, you know, when he worked in the background at CBS doing research. So, you know, they had a vast amount of knowledge that they had gathered uh, over the years through watching, listening, reading, being exposed, uh, both with great memories, both great fans, uh, different kinds of New York personalities, one you know, from Syosset, the other from Long Beach. Um, and they both had, which came out in their, pro, in their, in their special, they both have good-sized egos, just different types of egos. Uh, and that's shown over the years in when they would argue, they would have their discrepancies, they would have their differences, but at the end of the day, they were always there, uh, irrespective of vacations, they were always there at 107. And at 107, you had to be there. You know, if it was Tuesday after a Monday night football, if it was Monday after an NFL weekend, if it was the morning after a huge NBA, especially Nick, or NHL, especially Ranger playoff game, selection Sunday, the next day, no matter what it was, you had to be there at 107. You know, after that, the opening, you had to hear what their take was. Uh, and they built that over the years, and I think people got a huge entertainment aspect out of their differing personalities and the fact that they could go at each other, play off each other, at times make fun of each other in a sometimes good-natured way, maybe as it's come out sometimes maybe not so good-natured, and survive and develop rapport with callers uh, at times. Uh, people identified with certain callers, as I'm sure you know from your research, you know, there are callers who people would write about and, and talk about um, who had their certain areas of expertise they didn't vary from. Uh, and, and I think you know, people identified with them uh, as somebody who was there to listen. 99% of the audience is the listening audience. It's just a handful of people who call. 
but a ton of people listen. And they, they listen to be a part of that audience. They want to be a part of that audience. And they want to hear what those hosts have to say and identify what they have to say. And they want to be entertained. And that's what those guys did for all those years. Joe DiMaggio is Joe DiMaggio, but Joe DiMaggio at 82, in, in 1982-83 is what he is as the keeper of his own flame. That's, that, that's exactly what he is. I mean, Joe DiMaggio's career is not built on Joe DiMaggio in 1982, it's built on Joe DiMaggio in 1941. It's not built on Joe DiMaggio in 1982. Exactly what did Joe DiMaggio do in 1982 except be Joe DiMaggio? Uh, that, that's what he did in 1982. He signed autographs. I mean, it wasn't like Joe DiMaggio was, you know, running the country in 1982. He was being Joe DiMaggio. He, Joe DiMaggio is Joe DiMaggio because of what he did in 1941. The presence of Mongo Nation stems far and wide, but that really became obvious with the creation of Francesicon, an event made to honor the sports pope. Fans flocked to their first one, which had humble beginnings, but flocked to the second when Mike Francesa announced he would be attending it. The same happened for the third, when Mongo Nation sold out Irving Plaza to meet Mike and his guest for the night, Chris Russo. Mark Mongo, as he's known on Twitter, got to spend 15 minutes or so in studio with Mike to chat of Mongo Nation, Francesicon, and life as a listener to Mike Francesa. I think Mike's always been great with the public. I mean, he's been doing Barre forever. He, you know, you go to any of these events where he's at just a regular event, he's signing autographs, he's doing things. And, you know, I've had the pleasure to meet him several times, you know, aside from the Francesicon stuff. I mean, the first time I met Mike was the M&M store show, uh, Friday, his last, right before the Super Bowl, his last, um, time, uh, on the Yes Network, if you recall. And he was there signing autographs every single break. There's a line all the way around the store and he's been accessible ever, you know, all the time. And with the advent of Francesicon, that kind of just took it to another level where, you know, we kind of hosted it for him rather than WFAN hosting it for the fans. It kind of flipped the script and uh, it made it into such a great thing. Um, I have to say the Twitter community is, is very, it's an interesting group. Um, having listened to the station for a long time and never being a Twitter user until six years ago or so, and then discovering this group of people over time, I think a lot of it had to do with the Mike's On videos kind of introduced me to this group of people who are fooling around on Twitter and having a good time. And um, it's been a great experience. And, you know, having gone on Mike's show is one of the best highlights of, of uh, you know, I have to say I have three kids, so I can't say it's one of the highlights of my life, but it was a, it was a huge highlight, and uh, it was a great time, and Mike was so professional and, and excellent in that interview. Alex! 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 Wait a second. Jabba, wait a second. Alex, how many, yeah. what's Jabba's ERA this year? Wait, it was 3-7 going into last night, so what, maybe 3-8, 3-9 right now? 3-9, wait, wait. Wait, wait a second, Andy Pettit is a starting pitcher! Andy Pettit's a starting pitcher who's won almost 200 games. What are you talking about? If Andy Pettit goes six innings... Andy Pettit can't pitch the... It's a miracle. Hey, Alex, Andy Pettit can't pitch the eighth inning. Hey, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Get me the job of stats for his career. I'll teach Alex a lesson here. And show you the difference in his statistics since he's gone from being a, co- a relief pitcher to a starting pitcher. Why bring up Andy Pettit? He can't pitch the eighth inning. Andy Pettit. What does Andy Pettit in the end of his career after being a starting pitcher for 15 years have to do with this? 
Why don't you bring up Mike? Why don't you bring up Maddox or Randy Johnson? Andy Pettit. What the hell does Andy Pettit have to do with this? And if you're unfamiliar with Francesa Khan, Katie Baker has you covered. A fictitiously high-ranking figure in Manga Nation, if there ever was one. Katie, who's now writing for The Ringer, wrote at length of Francesa Khan for Grantland and has interviewed Mike for other story pieces as well. I think the coolest experience I had, I was trying to remember if it was the first time I had really spoken to him. I, I, I met him and took a picture with him briefly at Francesa Khan, but it was kind of a, you know, assembly line of um of people trying to do the same thing but um when i was writing earlier this year i did an oral history of um the Knicks heat brawl from 1997 and so i reached out to him um to see if he would you know just talk to me a little bit about his memories from that playoff series and um kind of that era of the Knicks and he said it was it was like a friday he said yeah i'll give you a call you know, after my show. So he called me, um, I, he was probably like in the car with his driver going home. Um, and I'll just like always remember I had the phone on speaker and I was sitting at my kitchen table and it was a Friday afternoon and he was just going on and on reminiscing about, you know, walking down, um, outside MSG on a Sunday, you know, in the spring and just what the city was like when the Knicks were good. And, I just felt like I was getting my own private show um, from the Pope. And it was just such a cool experience. And um, yeah, like I, it kind of blew my mind. I, I recorded it and I was like, wow, I'll never, I'll never delete this tape. Um, and just to have that voice kind of filling my, my house. Um, and, you know, and it was just like a, I was the only one who was talking to was, was definitely a trip. So, um, you know, he's, I've reached out to him a couple of times for other stories. He's very graciously always been willing to chat. Um, he has a really funny email style. He like, if you send him an email, he'll send you back a separate email with no subject line. Like he almost uses email like a text. Um, and it's very strange, and it's very Mike, and it makes me really happy when when I get it in my inbox. It's Bernie Williams' night. Yeah. So what is what is what is Greg Nettles and Willie Randolph have to do with it? Because they used to play for the Yankees. No, but I understand, but why that night? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Are they going why to are you asking me if they would retire? It's Bernie Williams' evening. It's his night. Why would they have anybody else involved that night? I don't know, because a couple of months ago, Mike McCall wrote an article said they might honor those two on the night that they're going to honor a Yankee. It was in the Post. Oh, I, well, the, uh, you know what? I don't know anything about it. I just know they've retired Bernie's number. I don't know anything about what they're doing for Nettles. Or, well, that's or, what I called or, to ask you. Maybe you might know. No, I have no idea. And, and, and I don't even know that they're retiring those guys' numbers. Well, yeah, a couple of months ago, Mike McCall wrote an article in the Post. But, so what? Maybe he was asking that they should retire them. Well, be nice that doesn't mean they are retiring them. Well, if they're honoring Bernie Williams that night, so you what know does that have to do with? Yankees. That's what I'm asking you. They're honoring Bernie Williams that night. I understand night. that. Period. I know that. Sentence. That's it. Okay. So that's it. That's all they're honoring that night is Bernie Williams. All right. Then that's all they want to honor. So that's it. I didn't know if they were honoring those two. As Why well. would they do that on his night? 
because they used to be Yankees. But why that night? They could pick their own night. That's why would they you. have them that night? Well, then why don't we take like 60 other Yankees and honor all them that night, too? They're a Jeter, too. Why not? Listen, from the beginning, this call didn't make any sense. So, I mean... All right, we're back. This is Mike Zahn, and you are listening to The Bridge. Back after this. With any great actor, athlete, entertainer, or public figure worthy enough, there will be someone there to impersonate them. Regarding Mike and the Mad Dog impressions, two names should come to mind. Bill Buchanan and Mike Benevento. The duo are the best in the game at parody of Mike and the Dog and have teamed up from time to time, both live and recorded, to prove it. Bill Buchanan achieved viral fame from Mike Zahn, his portrayal of Mike as if he were doing a show during some major events in history and other pop culture moments in recent years. Well, let's be honest, the Rebels probably have no chance to win, but if the Rebels have any chance of winning this war, they better trust Benedict Arnold. Because when Benedict Arnold is Benedict Arnold, he's Cornwallis. And when when Cornwallis is Cornwallis, he's Alexander the Great. Okay? So, if you're going to trust anybody in this war, on the Rebel side, Benedict Arnold's your guy. Back after this. All right, we're back. And uh, uh, now listen, I didn't want to get into this, but, you know, everybody's making a big deal out of it, so I figured, you know, why not? You know, I, I was going to ignore it, but, you know, uh, people were talking about it, uh, you know, it was in the paper the other day. This idea that, and listen, I don't like him. I don't like him, and I don't support him. But this idea that Thomas Jefferson is sleeping around or fooling around one of his slaves, I mean... All right, we're going to go to the phones now. Uh, John on the farm in Massachusetts. What's up, John? Hey, Mike. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Good, good. Yeah, um, yeah I was just wondering, did John Hancock sign that Declaration um, of Independence? Let's see. I, I believe he did, yeah. Yeah, John Hancock. John Hancock signed it. I was it, wondering, yeah. uh, out of all the people who signed that, who do you think has the biggest cock? All right, well, you know, you know that's a, you know, folks... We're in a time of crisis, I guess. So you know, people uh, people want to act like clowns. You know, let them act like clowns. I don't care. I mean, they're not going to bother me. They're not going to bother me. I, you know, they're not going to bother me. You know, I've been doing this for 25 years. Um, you know, so they're not going to bother me. You know, and I mean, do you really want? If you're the rebels, do you really want the French helping you? I mean, they they're kind of weird. The weird people. I mean, you ever gone over there? You know, I I've met King Louis. Okay, King Louis is a weird guy. I'll be honest. Very weird guy. Not you know, he's a good guy, but weird guy. You know, they killed more British soldiers. Big deal. Who cares? You retreated the hill. You're done. The battle was over. The British have won the battle. And I'm going to tell you right now, the, the rebels might be claiming victory, but you know, 100, 200 years from now, they're going to be saying, Bunker Hill is where the British beat back the rebels and crushed this rebellion. God save the king. Back after this. Bill recently released The Last Zon, a parody of Mike Francesa in the world of Star Wars, and he also offered up what Mike Francesa might say if he were on this show. Hey, listen, uh, could I do it? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not hard. I mean, uh, listen, people want to put all this mist- shroud of mystery over, you know, managing or coaching. Uh, it, it, folks, it's really not that hard. I mean, I wouldn't worry 
about all these decisions and all these things. So I already know the answers to them. You know, it's like the East egg hunt. You know, I, I don't do it because I already know where all the eggs are. Um, and, you know, listen, could I be an NFL coach? Yeah, sure. Now, would they ever hire me? No. One, I'd have to take a pay cut. Two, I'm sure they don't want me, you know, winning every game because that's what would happen. Uh, I'd probably talk to the media every day. I'd actually tell them what questions to ask me and then obviously answer them. And then ask them, I turn the tables on them and ask them questions. Okay. Uh, but I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry. Uh, I would be probably a Hall of Fame baseball manager. Five years, people would start talking about me being a Hall of Famer. Because uh, listen, I've already won a lot of championships. I've actually done a couple of charity things with Randy Savage through the years. So I do know him. So uh, I actually played in a couple of those uh, tournaments with him. Is he actually getting into the Hall of Fame this week, the Macho Man? Is that true? Yeah, he's, yeah Saturday. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, good. I, you know, he's actually the one wrestler, actually. He, oh, he's, he's dead now? I didn't know he's dead. I didn't know that. I'm sorry. In a car accident. Oh, he did, really? I mean, it, it, when we did these games years ago, these charity softball games, he used to, he used to play in them with us. With Imus and those guys, he used to play in the games with us. So I did know him. Uh, I didn't see him in a long time, obviously. But when did he die? Like two or three years ago. A car accident? A car accident. There's reports he had a heart attack. Oh, geez. He was a nice guy. I mean, he he used to come playing. You know, we did those things up at Yale. We had the, you know, those, those charity games up there a couple of years. He played in those with us. He was around, so I did know him. But, I mean, obviously I haven't seen him in a very long time, nor did I know that he had passed away. This is Mike Benevento, also known as the Chris Mad Dog Russo impersonator, not Sour Shoes, the other guy. I tell you, I beat that sour shoes. I, I, I went head to head with him in the uh, Chris Russo satellite contest, and I buried him, okay? I urinated all over him, and I buried his ass. You are listening to the bridge. Mike Benevento had some small internet fame begin when his cousin uploaded his take of Chris Russo's infamous Pac-Man Jones rant on Mike and the Mad Dog back in 2007. Since then, Mike was crowned the winner of the Sirius XM Mad Dog contest and has been fortunate enough to impersonate Mad Dog in front of Mike Francesa several times. At FrancesaCon 2, the first one at Irving Plaza, uh, that was when I first got to do it for Mike uh, in front of him. You know, he put Bill and I, uh, Bill Buchanan, who does Mike, uh, he put Bill and I on the spot to you know, do our impersonation. So I think Bill went first, uh, you know, he did a little bit of Mike and then I went and the best part for me was I was able to make Mike, you know, laugh like a good belly laugh, tw uh, two times, I believe two or three times. Uh, so that felt great, uh, to be able to make him laugh with an impersonation of someone who had been his partner for 19 years, uh that was that was pretty cool so that was that was definitely a great thing unfortunately we were unable to book christopher russo for this show but we can at least have a better idea of what he might have said if he were on it i tell you when i first heard that mike was gonna leave the fan i tell you i was shocked 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 you know mike's been there he's been an institution he's been there 30 35 years whatever it is uh you know he's got the fan he got a whole bit uh, so I was, I was definitely surprised. Took me, caught me off guard. And then, uh, you know, yeah, I know he's looking for work now. And, uh, you know, at the whole, at the Tilly Center, he's asking me, uh, you know, if I can give him a job. Now, let's be fair. Mike's been busting my hump for years. Talking about serious. There's radio nowhere. And I got no listeners. I got no callers. And now he's looking for, he's looking for me for a job. 
I mean, gee whiz, you know, I, he urinated on me. He basically urinated on me. I, it's, it's, that's a bad job. But, you know, Mike Sharp is a whip. He sharp is attack. And, uh, you know, gee whiz, he's got a dog and pony show. Uh, he can come on. We, we bring him on serious. You know, he's going to have to accept uh, the, the, the role. He said the, the station is the Mad Dog Sports. So I don't know if he's going to be able to uh, accept that with his, uh, with his big ego there. But, you know, we'll welcome him. And as long as he knows his, uh, his, his, his position there, you know, he's, he's going to be in the mix. And hopefully it's not a little spotty. You know, we don't want Mike moaning and groaning. But, uh, Mike, uh, it's been a wonderful time, you know, with you at the fan. You're, you're, you're an institution. You're the, you're the best there is. Uh, next to me, of course. <laughs> Say something funny, Mike. But, uh, Mike, one last thing. Don't let the door hit you on a fanny on the way out. And, you know, that, that's a little pun there. You know, the fanny, he works at the fan. You get the idea. But uh, I love you, Mike. Would you go see Daredevil? Which one is that now? That's Ben Affleck's new movie about the guy who's a blind crime fighter who turns into <laughs> Daredevil. True story. Last and certainly not least, a gentleman who rose in fame on the Howard Stern Show. One that has called into Mike Francesa for years as Christopher Mad Dog Russo or as Yankee broadcasters John Sterling and Susan Waldman, or as other callers on the show, or he could even do his own show if he wanted, as Mike Francesa himself. One never does know when he'll call, or what he'll say, or what we'll hear. Fortunately, The Bridge received one of those calls. We'll close out the show with one of the greatest radio personalities and impressionists that Mike Francesa will surely miss. Without further ado, Mike from Mayopec, the one and only Sour Shoes. Uh, my, Mike, I always like to uh, you and your uh, uh, zoo and uh, your your family. Oh, thank you, Dan. You've been very great to me in my career. Uh, Mike, would you get the uh, hummus ranch salsa I saw you and uh, a little bit of that horseradish and hot sauce? And, yeah, Don, uh, Don, I was on the bowl uh, for uh, nine days after you gave me that hummus ranch salsa. Well, Lucy you might have dropped some dropped some weight, though, huh? <laughs> I know it was a 26 minutes past the hour talking to Mike Francesa in New York. Uh, Sid, what do you want to say to Mike? Hi, Mike. Mike, I want to come down there and give you a big, wet kiss. I love... Oh, sh oh shut up, Sid. Mike, I want, to, I want to sit on your lap like Santa Claus. You know, I'm a Jew, and I celebrate Hanukkah. Uh, you know you know something? Uh, ho hold on. Gary and Greenwich, Gary, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Mike, did you know that the menorah <coughs> has gnawing candles? <laughs> I gotta go. Right, right. Alright, so that was another uh, whack job. The whack job for making it through the crisis. I see you're still getting some fat calls there, Mike. Yep. Uh, you still got that nappy headed, uh, nappy headed news girl with, uh, um, Dom, that's Howard Stern. I don't have a news girl with me, okay? Oh my god, Dom. They should have taken you out the pasture. You know, my son Wyatt is in the rodeo. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to take another call here. Uh, Jackie in Long Island. Jackie, go ahead. <laughs> yeah! Hey! Why was the elf down and out at Christmas time? Why? Because he has a low elf esteem. <laughs> yeah! You know why Santa Claus doesn't have any kids? Why? 
because he only comes once a year down the chimney. Let's uh, you got anybody else on that show, man? Oh, Jesus. This is a train wreck of a, of a Christmas. No, no, no. Let's keep it clean. Uh, this, this is one of my uh, dear friends. Uh, we've had uh, ins and outs over the years. Most of them under the covers, right? <laughs> you see what he did there? Oh, shut up. Oh, shut up. Hold on, man. Let's bring in my old partner. Uh, Chris Russo. Chris, how are you? Michael, how are you, pal? Just uh, wanted to say a lot of hubba-doo, a lot of hubba-doo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo. This is a beautiful Christmas, you know, Mike. I've celebrated a lot of things with you over the years. The birth of the children, but you sort of built a match. La, la, la. La, 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 la. Had lots of, you know, lots of time together with sleepovers. We ate dinner at each other's houses. We did each other's toenails. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Easy there. Oh, did each other's hair. We both have still have beautiful hair. Don, you do too. <laughs> uh, oh, shut up. That's it. Yeah, Don, let me ask you something. Where did Fatso and Fruit Loops originate? What made you think of that? Oh, because I, uh, I, my mic is fat and, and, I, and I thought you were gay. <laughs> of course, uh, it is a 22 months to the hour. I was in the morning. Quack, quack. Oh, Dan Stilo with those, with those uh, awful, awful air checks. But, Mike, Mike, it's good. Mike, uh, le- we had lots to talk about. You know, we, you and I, we did the tennis center together. We did lots of shows outside the show. We traveled all across the country. Uh, the Tampa trip from San Francisco in, in uh, 1989. 90, or 90, was it 99? It was 90, it was, uh, it, it was during the Persian Gulf War. Okay. That's right, and everything, the hullabaloo that took place, you didn't want to get on a, a flight unless it was first class, coming back from Indiana. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and Zorg wanted to fly in the cockpit, okay, because he's claustrophobic, okay, what a nut job. <laughs> Step in at Christmas, Step in at Christmas, the admission's free. Come on, sing it, Donnie. Donnie, you still got that Mick Jagger looking hair, like uh, Peter, Peter King said that, remember that? Oh, uh, Chris is still playing tennis in, your, in, a, in a garter belt. You and, and uh, how, how those thighs are yours? And I like that Serena Williams. Boy, she could feed a whole uh, village, feed a whole country of Ethiopia with those thighs. Oh, come on, Don. I'll put some Amish hot sauce on those. Come on, Don. That's a bad job. That's a terrible way of celebrating Mike's career, and you're going to bring up, you're going to bring up, you're going to be blue? Terrible job. Yeah, no, that's, that's a bad that's okay. Uh, quick break, we're back. Uh, but, you know, it's good to have both of you on the phone. Uh, we are going to have a benefit uh, in March. We'll do a doubles tennis, you, Don, and I, and Governor Christie. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming up there to play tennis, but if you want me to, I will. Uh, I'm having trouble sleeping. Uh, Deirdre got me this my pillow. Uh, this, this, this. Don, you having trouble... You still riding horses out in the, in the pasture day? Where, what's going on there with the, with the kids? Oh, shut up. Shut up, man. Uh, Mike, I just wanted to congratulate you. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for the great. Okay. Uh, hold on a second. I'm on the phone right now. Uh, our good buddy, Chad Palmer Barry. Chad. Hi, Mike. Doug. And 
how are you? Why do you guys well really orchestrated such a and uh, Chaz, uh, Chaz, you and I have uh, done a lot of benefits together. You and Dog, uh, just briefly tell us about how you started listening to us. Well, we were on the set of Bronx Tale, and I had listened sporadically uh, to both of you guys. And I was eating a nice uh, rotini with bolognese, listening to you guys do your picks, which, by the way, you, you got most of the games wrong. Oh, come on, Chad, that's not true, Chad. You uh, like to embellish, you like to be a little silly, you like to be willy-nilly and loosey-goosey, but that... Let him talk, let him talk, let him talk. As you know, guys, I listen to you. Mike, I think there's a lot of avenues for you in acting. I think you could be in a lot of these uh, shows that are on now on the cable side of the legend, Netflix, and in the movies, I think you've got... You could deliver a line. Uh, uh. I've been told that. And uh, my hair is just... Oh, Mike, you got great hair. And delivering... There's a lot of things Mike gets delivered, uh, uh, as well as chocolates and candies and uh, pizza and chicken and... Just be, just be, Mike. Um, Chad, Chad, you make an excellent point. Uh, now, your thoughts, Chad, on Mike's opportunities in the future? What should he be doing? Do Sunday night baseball? Sunday? Uh, could he do Monday night baseball? Maybe then go on football and maybe be a GM or be a pitching coach or a dugout manager or be maybe the, the next Giants quarterback if it doesn't work out with Eli. Well, maybe that be uh, coach on the sidelines. Your thoughts? Um, I think uh, Mike uh, right now has got a good career too singing. La 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 la. Elton. Uh, all right, quick. Let's go to John uh, Putnam County. John, go ahead. This is uh, Elton John Sterling. How are you? Isn't that amazing? Oh, my God. It's me, too, Susan. My God. Oh, the, the horror, John, of not being able to hear Mike anymore in the afternoon. I'd like to thank you for your career. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know, you can't figure radio, you know? You know, you know, I've been number one, John, over 30 years. And I haven't missed the Yankees broadcast in 30 years. We have a lot in common, Mike. Let's... Grab hands here and grab our top hats and canes and do a little dancing. Whoa! Like the conference table. Oh, step into Christmas with me. Oh, God! Hi, it's Gary Delabarte. I've got my turntable, too. Boy, no. We can watch this, no? For forever and ever. Freaking be merry, come along with me. Step into Christmas. The admission. What would a broadcast be without uh, a call from one of these lovely gals uh, who's been calling me for over 30 years? Uh, Lisa and Whitestone, Lisa, go ahead. Uh, Hi, Mike. How are you, dear? Good. I just got the uh, uh, biscottis and the pizzas all baked, and I just wanted to commend you for your career. Um, you never had me in the studio, but that's okay when you honored your long-time call. Well, hey, listen, that happens. You know, I thought some callers are better uh, from the phone, okay? And the illusion that you never have to see them. Mike, I love you. Um, I wanted to talk about the Yankees really going out and acquiring J.D. Martinez because they're going to have trouble with home run 
power from their. Wait a second. This isn't from their infield. This isn't Lisa. Okay. This is. You think I'm? You think I'm buying that accent? Mike, it's Jerome from Manhattan. You beg me. The Yankees have to get a slugger to 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 fill in the void at second base. Jamie Martinez can play second base. Mike, he hits the ball to right field. He would make the bandbox Yankee Stadium. Mike, they have to sign you. Wait, wait, wait. I love you, Mike. I love you. Well, that was weird. Okay. So this guy just comes on and screams like that. But uh, hey, listen. It takes all kinds. And that's what made the show as great as it was over the years. Mike, that was excellent. Good up. Well, that was very, that was not poorly produced. That was excellent job there. Excellent. Because Harry got his hands on it. No, Eddie hasn't been with us for a few years. Okay. Uh, Mike, uh, time to have a moment here just to talk a little bit. I love you, Mike. I love you too, dog. Don, you still there? Yes, uh, I'm, uh, lovely, um, servant, uh, lovely, uh, timorous to the album. I was, uh, whack, whack. Uh, you still got, um, those, uh, trains there, Mike, that you like to, uh, I do have, I don't have the trains here. Uh, we didn't bring them in this year. We've been, uh, we've been packing up and going. Uh, okay, so, alright, Mike, I'll, I'll be also talk to you soon. Love you. Thank you, Don. So long as it's just you and me. To finish up here, and uh, I wouldn't have it in the way. My God, this is a little bit, a uh, little bit touching for me. Uh, I love you uh, with all my heart. You, know, you know, my, we had our difficulties at times. There was a year and a half we didn't even talk. We did the show too, but like we did two separate shows because I didn't like the, you didn't like the fact that I kept your name out when you went on vacation after our first nine months together. And uh, but we got over that. We got over a lot of our problems, contract issues. Mike. 
Mike just passed out. <laughs> and no Sweeney Morty either. <laughs> Come in the mornings. The mornings in Baltimore. <laughs> ah, Mikey's so cute. Look at those big chops. Oh, Michael. Let me stroke your Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, let me hear it. 
Santa Claus quit after ho, ho, ho. Oh, oh, no, 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 that's a terrible job. Oh. <laughs> All right, so listen, you got listen, nothing better to do than to stay home and bother me, okay? But this is how we started. This is how we're going to finish up. That's Mikey, Mikey. Mike, let's sing a little uh, while you're doing a little snow remover. Dash it through the snow, okay? You know, on all this open sleigh, a snowblower, bother feels like a plowing all the way. <laughs> I'm about to have strings. I got Diet Coke and a Italian combo. Uh, Ride and plow snow all night. Uh, I got a jingle bell, jingle all the way. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It is to ride and Mikey snow blow it. Today, okay. Uh, listen, folks, we got to run. I love you. I love you, Mike. Mike, Thanks for time, Amish. Oh, thank you, Rob. I love you all. Uh, come down to my ranch if you want to. Mike will sweat, you'll sweat, you'll sweat about 10 pounds. I heard it was annoying. The first nine minutes, you know, I was stop with the fat jokes, okay? All right, bye, Mike. Hey, Lloyd, this is Mr. Bye, Mike. Hey, bye, Mike. Hey, you bye, Mike. Bye, Mike. Hey, Mike, bye, Mike. Thank you, Paul, it's there for 1983. Come on, man, huh? Hey, there you are, B.C. Howard. Thank you, Howard. Okay, I got it. Doug, let's uh, call. Let's wrap this up, okay? Okay. All right, I love you. Mikey, give me a big kiss. Oh, dog, you sweetheart, dog. Oh, dog, good, good dog. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody alive out there? Easy, dog. Just keep quiet now. Let's go. Mikey's all sleepy poo now. Sleepy weepy weepy. What do you think about uh, Vince Lombardi as the head coach? I really think he can make a big difference for them. What do you think? Wait a second. You actually, uh, you called up to ask me. Yeah. Is that, Mike, let me ask you something. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Well, I was wondering. When you got out of bed this morning, when you got out of bed this morning. Yeah. Did, did you work today? Yeah, I'm working you now. Are you I working now? What, what, do you, what do you do for a living? Actually, I'm a fireman. You're a fireman. Yeah. You're a fireman. Yeah. Where? I'm a volunteer fireman. You're a volunteer fireman. Yeah. Are you working right now? No, I don't work. Oh, you're unemployed? Yeah, I lost my job the other day. You lost it the other day. And a guy, uh, yeah. So, I mean, so you decided instead of going looking for a job, you decided to call up and ask me if a deceased coach would be a good coach for the Knicks. What? I didn't know he was this. Listen, that, that, I mean, really. I'm on unemployment. Well, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not surprised if you don't. I mean, you know, really, I'm not surprised. I think it's the comfort factor, the um, schedule factor. That's not the right word, but kind of the penciled into the calendar factor. It's going to change. Um, everything changes. Uh, I'm sure the new folks uh, will take over, and, and perhaps we'll look at them at some point this way. But, but Mike is an institution. He's an icon. He's done it the best who's ever done it. Uh, it changes the way we'll look at New York sports. It takes away a very important voice, like you said, at least temporarily, John, from the New York sports scene. We will miss him. We will miss his personality. We will miss uh, many of his interviews, which are often compelling, many of his takes, which um, are often unique. 
And I, I just think that we will look back and say, remember when Mike was on. Uh, and that's not a slight to anyone else in the business or anyone else at the fan, for sure. That's not my intention. My intention is just we've gotten so used to Mike Francesa. I think even folks who don't know him know him. And that, that speaks to who he's been for so many years. It's not Matt Harvey-like. What are you worried about? The guy's got a 1.1 whip, and he's got a 3-1 ba- ERA. What are you worried about with a winning record? I mean, if you're going to say that, you're worried about Matt Harvey. You've got a, lot, a million other things to worry about before you're worried about Matt Harvey. Enormous men are pounding into each other. The body can only take so much. What they did that was so amazing and what he ultimately carried on was they forever took the pulse of New York sports. Okay, They understood what the, the person who's the blue-collar construction site worker is talking about and the person on Wall Street is talking about. They took the pulse of New York sports. I think that what happened is they and he and, and Dog, but Dog obviously does it nationally now, but Mike got so big in New York that I think that ultimately New York took his pulse and they kind of flipped. So Mike would kind of set the tone for what everyone was talking about versus everyone was talking about it and then they were talking about it. He got so big and so dominant and so damn good that I think he flipped the script on everybody. And that what he, he decided what was big in New York at that point. And I think that's how he stayed so big for so long is that his voice mattered to such an extent he knew that and he was authoritative in the way that he conveyed it and still does that people in New York and, and frankly all over the country were fascinated by what he was going to say next. Wait a second! Wait a second! This guy's a legend. He's the Pope. And the fan, even though I think they've done a great job they put in Chris Carlin, who's a good friend, and a guy who's going to do a tremendous job. I mean, he knows New York, and people people know him, and people love him. I think he's going to do great. But obviously, when, when anybody leaves that's as big as Mike, yeah, it's going to take a little while before you come close to where you were. So will the w, will WFAN continue to roll on? Yeah, they'll continue to roll on. Do I think Chris Carlin in that spot? Can make it to number one? Yeah, I think he could. But again, we're replacing a guy who's number one for 25 years, okay? But every time he says that, let's all remember that he did it with Dog. He did it with Dog. Now, yeah, he had some great success after Dog, but that's because those two guys together built that. But it's awesome because together they were amazing. They were a powerhouse. And here they are now, Mad Dog's thriving at Sirius XM, and Mike is leaving basically on top of New York. So it's great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future as well. I have a lot of championships, okay? Rex Ryan has zero. I have a tremendously successful broadcasting career for a quarter of a century. Let the record show when they, if they've accomplished what I've accomplished, God bless them. They want to match resumes. They want to match, they can match three things. Resumes, longevity, ratings, Paychecks. And when I look in any of those areas, I'll, I'll match them anytime. Bring them on. Bring it on. We'll look in all those areas and we'll see who's winning. What am I worried about? Which part of my career is going badly? I'll give you like a bronze, silver, gold, top three sort of thing. I'll say uh, number one, number three. We'll go for bronze would be uh, his interaction with the callers, just absolutely shitting all over some of these guys. I mean, Mike, Mike is one of the like nicest, most polite guys I've ever met for, for someone of his stature and his position. Uh, and, but, and he's always said, listen, I, I treat the callers like part of my show. So if they want to come on the show, they're held to a higher standard, which basically translates to him saying, 
I'm going to shit all over my callers and say whatever the fuck I want to them. So when he actually, when he absolutely dominates another fool, go, go shovel an old lady's walk, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, will, I will miss dearly. Uh, number two, I would say is the unintentional humor, which is always a very strange dynamic with Mike, because he's obviously one of the, the greatest of all time, a pioneer in the industry. Uh, at, you know, I'm sure at an earlier point in his career, he knew absolutely everything about everyone and didn't miss a beat. But as time went on, you know, the Al Albuquerque moments, the uh, falling asleep on air, the spilling of the diet soda, all those moments where, you know, he, he kind of had his his uh, his mail mail time moments where he was, you know, just mailing it in. I think I'm going to miss that because that used to just drive people crazy how this guy was number one in the ratings making millions of dollars a year and he was able to fall asleep on air or forget people's names or literally say whatever he wants. And then uh, the gold medal, the thing I'll miss the most is there were those New York sports moments where your first reaction was, I can't wait for one one Oh five PM tomorrow when Mike hits the airwaves, because you know, uh, whether it was a, a jets game where they absolutely shit the bed and you knew what was coming or the Mets, it was usually something negative for the Mets and Jets. You know, the Mets do something to abolish themselves. The Jets do something to keep the circus rolling. And you just knew that a meltdown was coming. Uh, that that will always be, you know, his hallmark is the Francesa rants, the eruptions where uh, you never know what you're going to get. That's why I was happy that the Ben McAdoo thing happened because he, he also can't force it. You know, Mike's, Mike's never going to be the guy who's, who's spitting hot takes just for the sake of, ratings and uh just for the sake of saying it so they always came from a genuine place so i was very happy we got one last mount francesa eruption when uh when mcadoo and the giants uh benched eli because it was it came from a real genuine place of like disgust and hatred and uh you know that is something that the next nobody else is going to be able to replicate the way he did it so that, i think those eruptions were uh mike's hallmark that will be that will be missed. And hey, you know, the guy the guy was able to move mountains. He, he he got Mike Piazza to come to the city. He got the marathon canceled. There were times where, you know, Mike had genuine sway with what goes on in this city. So that will uh, certainly never be replaced. So those are the things I'll miss most about him. What's up, Benny? Hey, how you doing, Mike? First time, long time. Good. I just wanted to, first of all, that's a gorgeous shirt you got on. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that it. That really is. That, thank that you. looks top-notch. It's the confidence. That's really what it is. Mike Francis is the cockiest guy on the planet. He's the cockiest guy in sports media. And when he's talking to when he's talking to callers, when he's going on a rant, when he's got an opening monologue, he is absolutely 100 percent convinced what he is saying is gospel, 100 percent correct. And uh, when he's interviewing whoever he is, you know, he is the dominant one. He is the, the force in the room at all times. And I think it's that cockiness that uh, that gives him that longevity, and then that longevity breeds the whole. Well, I got to listen to this guy. He's been he's been doing it for 25 years. He's been sitting in that chair for 25 years. So, uh, you know, to me, in 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 the industry and in this city, if you're timid at all, you're going to get eaten alive. And Mike Francesa is the absolute furthest thing from timid. Anthony in Long Island, what's up, Anthony? Hey, Mike. I really like your armpit hair. It brings out your eyes. I don't know what that was about. Some child calling for something. I guess, you know, school must be out. Well, the take. The take. You, you want, when there are things that happen that you 
have interest in, that you identify with, that are, look, again, you know, it, it, it's not world-changing from a political point of view, but it, it, it's what sports fans like you and I identify with and what we look forward to watching, listening, and talking about. You want to hear his take on it because you respect, at least I do, his knowledge, his opinion, his humor, and you want to hear what his response is to what happened, whether it's the results of a game, whether it's a controversial call, whether it's another athlete in trouble. Um, you want to hear what his remarks are in regard to that issue because that's what you've become so accustomed to and that's what you've appreciated and that's what you've grown to respect over the years. And that's going to be sorely it's going to be sorely missed on a daily basis. I'm sure he's going to be there, uh, and we're going to get to hear his opinions and his thoughts. And, you know, I'm going to miss his expertise. What kind of fan are you? You mentioned all the different avenues now on sports talk radio and podcasts, etc. We have a plethora, far too many, of Sunday NFL pregame shows. Mike's Sunday show was far and away the listen on Sunday mornings when we became overcome with these Sunday cast of thousands, uh, eight, nine, ten people per studio shows, which have just become unlistable or unwatchable, depending on how you do it. And his show, just him, you know, with his guests, uh, remarks on and updates on injuries, on games, expertise from Phil Sims, became really the only NFL pregame show to listen to. So, um, you know, I, like always, we get along, but, uh, you know, you, you're talking about the end of an era as Al from White Plains knows it. So that's what I could put it. Back after this. That's going to do it for The Bridge. You can listen to this show and all previous shows over on my website at londonbridge.com. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. You can also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. You can find The Bridge on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast. There you'll find the newest episodes of The Bridge every Thursday night. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This will be the last show of 2017, and we'll be back in the new year with even better content, interviews, whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve. On The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Back after this.